When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, Elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Anybody have a whistle? You do have one? Yeah. All right, Kevin's running up. You got to get a whistle here. Who can whistle first? What's up, everybody? Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings app and use the code Bobby Sports to get back in the action. Hit it, Kevin. <laughs> Oof. Ooh. In a small room, that is loud. Coming up later, former MLB All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove winner Jim Edmonds. Jim's also in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. We talked about what he would do to get out of a slump. If rivalries are for real with players, too. His love for country music and a whole bunch more. So Jim Edmonds coming up. You can follow Jim on Instagram, at JimEdmonds15, but a lot of fun. Let's start and just get it over with. I don't find joy in this, Kevin. Aye, aye, aye. But what the heck's happening, bro, with the Celtics? What, what? I can't believe they lost. I, I can't believe they lost, what, yesterday? Mm-hmm. I can't believe they lost that game. I know. And it was not even close. I'm, not even that I can't believe they blew it. I was surprised it wasn't more of a game later. Yeah, that's maybe it's a heat of the moment thing right now, but that's the lowest as far as embarrassing moment I've had as a Celtics fan in quite some time, just not even showing up when your back's against a wall and just got smoked. What do you blame it on, the coaching? Everything. That's the easy the easy out is the coaching. And I get that because he didn't have them ready to go. They should have been ready to go Aren't mentally. Are they professionals, though? And that's where I come back to that, where I'm like, well, you have one of the top five players in the NBA in Jason Tatum. Like That's on him to get them to get going. Al Horford, he's a veteran. He's been around a long time, been through a lot. That's on him to get them going. So you can blame the coach as much as you want when it comes to getting them ready, X's and O's and all that. And Spolster, we all know, is a way better coach, which is fine. But at least show you care. I mean, don't get blown out from the get-go and loose balls and bad passes. and It just seemed like they wanted to go home. They're ready to go to Cancun, as they say. Do they win game four? <laughs> no. Oh. I have zero confidence now. Oh, man. Miami's kind of come out of nowhere. Again, playing team. We can't forget that. Yeah. 
they had to play in and barely got in. I think yeah. the Chicago game was close, right? I mean, yeah. it feels like 10 years ago, but wasn't the Bulls game close? Yeah. Uh, so he rolled past the Celtics 128-102. They're up 3-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals. That is not good. I don't. Th- there's never been anyone come back. This goes for both series. There's never been anybody come back from 0-3. Yeah. Ever. There's been 3-1 or oh, well, 1-3. There's been in baseball. Your team did it. The Red Sox. I know. And the funny thing is, in Game Three against the Yankees, that that se- that season, they were down. I think they lost like eighteen to nine in Game Three, and you were like, "Oh man, this is ugly." So that's the only thing keeping me a little bit alive here. I'm like, we've seen this before. I also don't feel bad for any sort of Boston sports fan. You're like, "Oh, it's the lowest in the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals. We didn't show up for Game Three. <laughs> Try being a Razorback fan or a Cubs fan your whole life." I did see going into this series. 14 years in a row, a Boston major four sports team has made it into the final four of their sport, whatever it may be, which is pretty good. You know, for you guys, though, it has been kind of rough with the Bruins going down early, early after they had the greatest season ever. I don't think about hockey, but even I know that was quite the collapse. Mm. Celtics down 0-3. Listen, they still can. No one's ever done it before, but I guess they're still in it. That's tough. The Patriots, the whole coordinator debacle. Yeah. It's been pretty rough, but I say pretty rough as in you had the greatest regular season of all time, and then also you're in the Eastern Conference Finals. So that's rough. Yeah. It's the way that they're going about it, though. I mean, it was embarrassing to watch that team on the court last night. I felt bad for you. Embarrassing. I don't even like to message people when they lose because I don't like to be messaged. I didn't hear anything from anybody. Yeah, That's respect, then. Yeah, which I I appreciate that. That is respect. Uh, Nuggets and Lakers. We'll get to the title title in a second, but the Nuggets and Lakers. Same situation. I just expected the Lakers to win this last game, if any, back in L.A., I expect them to win game three. Yeah. Thought they may get lucky and win one or two. They didn't. Okay, go back home and win game three. Nope. It's ugly. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to say men and boys, but it's like a team that is highly skilled and have gone to practice. Versus a team that's just really athletic and shows up and let's just see what happens. Mm. And that's not what it is. That's what it looks like to me. Like a team that's really well coached. The players know exactly the scheme they're running. That If one of the two teams can do it, though, I think the Lakers can do it over the Celtics. Yeah. But I only think that because they have LeBron James. That's it. Yeah. And they've shown somewhat of a fight. Well, and they've done – LeBron's done 3-1 before. Come back from that. Yeah. Against the greatest team of all time. And I don't think that's going to happen. But I'm I'm very disappointed in the Lakers. Isn't that wild? The Lakers and the Celtics down 0-3 in the, the conference NBA, finals. The NBA hates that. Oh, can't stand it. They they the fact that Miami. Think about the Lakers and Celtics if they were to play again. Mm-hmm. All the fun, Bird, Magic, Mikhail, you just all of that throughout the years, history, Kareem, and they get neither team, and they get LeBron of now. Yeah. Brutal, but yeah. man, Denver looks so good. Yeah, they look awesome. Denver has shooters. Obviously, they have Jokic. It's like they have a piece for every part of the puzzle that you need to have whenever you just are putting together. I watched the Redeem team. I'll talk about it in a second. But they put that team together for a reason. Like, players did certain things. They didn't just go out and grab a bunch of players right. who were the best players. They got people who did certain things. And it's almost like that's what the Nuggets did. Because whenever you start to look at... Aaron Gordon, he ain't going to score a lot of points, but, man, he's going to be in the right place at the right time. He's going to play defense. He's, they didn't ask him to score a lot of points. But he 
Aaron Gordon goes the whole game. Mm-hmm. And he's jacked, too. I know. Like, he's jacked. It's like a tight end. Uh, KCP, Caldwell Pope, he shoots. Elite. Yeah. And when they close in on Jokic, okay, just toss it on out. So between him, Michael Porter Jr., Denver's so much better than, I guess, I won't say that we give them credit for, but nobody just cared because they've never won. They're in a small market. They don't have any crazy marketable star, or at least one that's been marketed to us. Mm-hmm. Jokic looks like somebody's uncle. <laughs> yeah. Jamal Murray, is he elite? Because he's been playing like it. Yeah. When they play their two-man game, yeah. I don't know how you stop it. Because as soon as they bring in a third guy aggressively to try to stop if it's a pick and roll up top or they got two shooters. It's crazy. Yeah. They look really they're very surprising to me. Austin Reeves, awesome though. I know. The fact that they're not giving him the ball more and saying, hey, go do your thing. Yeah, I think Russell's been pretty bad lately. D'Angelo Russell. Russell, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Austin Reeves is gonna make he's gonna do pretty well. Yeah. He's gonna do pretty well. Yeah. Well, I'm s i am hate that for you guys. Yeah, thanks, man. If anything, I have a new appreciation for the Nuggets and Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get into it. But I can't hate Jimmy Butler. I've tried. There's no way to hate Jimmy Butler. He's tried. not done anything but just be that dude. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That game two, whenever the uh, your boy was talking trash to Butler. Grant Williams? Yeah. When that was happening, were you like, don't. Don't don't wake the giant. No, I really didn't hate it. And I even texted this to my dad and my brother during the time. They hated it. They were like, shut up, Grant, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking the same thing as some other people were thinking where at least he's showing something because he showed a little fight. And I know you wake the bear, quote, unquote. But guess what? We have a bear, too, and Jason Tatum. Nah, I don't know so, that bear So, sometimes. Jason, you got to wake up, too. Yeah. I was just glad to see somebody had some fight, some type of anger, some type of emotion because the rest of the team has no emotion. It's It's bad. Undrafted players on the Heat roster. The Heat currently have four key contributors that went undrafted. That's And the reason I had even thought to care about this was Kayla Martin. Yeah. Who has just contributed all, all playoffs. A lot of these guys, you're like, ah, it's Jimmy and the rest. But, I mean, these, these guys are all playing pretty consistent. But Kayla Martin from Nevada has just been there. And whatever they've needed from him, he's given them. Nothing spectacular, but 10 points here, six, seven rebounds there. Jimmy Butler, 30th pick from Marquette. Bam Adebayo, 13th pick from Kentucky. This is Miami. Duncan Robinson, undrafted from Michigan. Boy, he made a bunch of money for undrafted. Mm-hmm. Duncan Robinson made a – didn't he just get paid big time? Him or Hero? Maybe both. Look up Duncan Robinson, how much money. I know Hero got paid. Yeah, I know Hero got paid after that bubble, I want to say, or the year after. Gabe Vincent, undrafted from, what is that? UCSB? Cal State Berkeley? No. University of California, Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara, got it. God dang. When you don't even know the initials and they're undrafted? Yes. That's trouble. Max Struss, undrafted from DePaul. Kayla Martin, undrafted from Nevada. Cal Lowry, 24th pick from Memphis. Kevin Love, 5th pick from UCLA. Kevin Love's so old. Yeah. He actually isn't, but he's just been around for so long. Lowry's older. Well, draft year. Lowry was two years before that. I did not even realize that. Tally Hero, 14th from Kentucky. What's he make, Mike? I still got nothing. I got no internet over here. You have no internet? No. Oh, that's it. Reed, do you have anything over there? 
I can check. Everybody, well, I can check. Everybody, everybody <laughs> failed me. Kevin and I are trying to do a good sports show over here. Now, if your internet's down, Mike, yeah, I, I blame it. Reed because he had a cell phone. Duncan. Oh, mine's. Are we down? Duncan Robinson. Salary. Oh, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but my, my internet's down. It just said, do you want to use cellular data? Well, yes, I do. Let's see. Are you even getting that? Even my cell data yeah, is not working. Right is now. the world ending, guys? <laughs> oh, here we go. Uh, let's see. Duncan Robinson signed a five-year, $90 million contract with the Heat, including $80 million guaranteed, an average salary of almost $20 million. Golly, uh, yeah, I feel like he's been paid. Undrafted. I mean, that's what Reed's about to happen. He's from Arkansas, too. Didn't play University of Arkansas. Wasn't good enough, apparently. Went to Wichita State. Went to- oh, Austin Reeves. Yeah, 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 yeah yes. I thought you said Reed for a second. No, Reed. Reeves, Reeves, Reeves. Oh, Reed. Him, yeah. Yeah, Reed yeah. Hey, Reed's tall, though. Yeah, that is. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Boston's know. roster. Jalen Brown, third pick out of Cal. Horford, third pick out of Florida. Mark Smart, sixth pick out of Oklahoma State. Tatum, third pick out of Duke. I mean, they got a lot of height. I mean, those four dudes were picked higher than anybody on the Miami team. Yeah. Crazy. Well, good luck to you. I don't care. I mean, I would like to see Boston win because it's your team, but I don't really have... Any sort of personal interest there. Thanks. But I hope you win. Thank you. But that'd be tough. Keep very. All right, let's go to the tittle tattle. It's time for the stupidest name ever. It's the tittle tattle with kickoff. There's a lot of talk over the weekend with how difficult the course was, the PGA Championship Oak Hill. What's the toughest course you've ever played? You see the ball going to the rough? Yeah. I mean, it just was just. Almost literally disappear. Yeah. Down. That there was a ball that was plugged in the sand. Um was it Scheffler? Nope. It was uh the guy that finished behind uh uh Hovland. Didn't Hovland hit one of the sand and it completely It was gone, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, not the same. That's just I think bad luck where the rough was so bad or so long purposefully that the ball would get lost there. But a lot of lost balls. Yeah. Or a lot of balls hard to find. Um, hardest course I ever played was probably the Blessings course, which is in Arkansas and Fayetteville, for two reasons. One, they had kind of said before we went up there, hey, this is a really hard course, but it's really nice. I think it's University of Arkansas' course, like home course. Secondly, I'd hurt my shoulder playing basketball in the University of Arkansas basketball arena because they gave it to us for my bachelor party, the whole thing. We played for hours, right? Yeah, it was fun. Turned oh. it all on. It's, it's crazy. We never really got to talk about it. Probably not supposed to now, but who cares? They, they gave me the whole thing. They turned on all this thing. Picture music, had the locker room all filled with food. It was an amazing thing. One of the most special days for my bachelor party. Now, that being said, I hurt my shoulder, and then I went out in the first few holes I couldn't even swing golf club. So the course seemed hard, and I just couldn't move. But everybody else was like, that was a really hard course. I wish I could have experienced it. I wish I could <laughs> For more than one reason it. for you. That's right. All right, next question. After Michael Block's memorable hole-in-one on day four, you have a most memorable shot. That shot, by the way, because he didn't see it go in, and I was watching it, and neither did I because it went straight dunk. Yeah. It went Lup! right in the hole. Meaning if it hit just to the left or right of the hole, I think it would have flew on by. But it went straight in the hole. Crazy. I've never even seen a hole in one. Never had one. Never seen one. Really cool to see him because that shot actually is what got him into next year's because he finished top 15, and had he not hit that hole in one, he'd have been two shots on the wrong way of it. So, uh, for me, most memorable shot, not even on a, yeah, but like a, in a actual round. When I went to Pebble Beach last year, 
we did the par three, celebrity par three championship and everybody was there, like 40 people. And I was in the round with Aaron Rodgers and I don't remember who else was in my group, but I just not beat Aaron Rodgers. But I'm up on the pedestal and it's, you know, 120 or so away. Everybody's hitting to the par three. Nervous as crap. Could feel it. I, I was feeling so nervous that I did a whole bit where I changed balls. I only did that so I could calm down. Because I had a white ball and I was like, I got up to the ball and I was just like, oh, I don't know. I got people everywhere. I ain't that good anyway. I was like, oh. So I reached in my pocket and I pulled out a pink ball. And I was like, I'm changing balls. And I put it down, switch balls. I just did that to kind of regroup. Yeah. And then I stuck it like 10 feet from the pin. And I, wow. and I won my round. And I got to the finals. I think I finished maybe third overall out of 40. Because I hit a, my next round shot was pretty good too. But nothing like that first one. Jim Nance is calling it. You hear him? He's like, oh, not the Wild. <laughs> I kind of blacked out right when I swung. And it landed. I was like, oh, my God. I wasn't happy that I did well. I was happy I didn't humiliate myself and hit somebody or miss completely. That would be so nerve-wracking for me. It People was, around me. It was really nerve-wracking. Yeah. Was, kudos to you. There's and no I, way. And I don't get nervous for performing as much, nearly as much as I used. I mean, I used to be nervous, especially when I started doing stand-up or I started do music it's kind of hard to make me nervous now even live tv there's i wouldn't even call it nervous it's just kind of like an excited energy more than it's nervous because i'm not i've done it enough to know that the worst thing that can happen i'm still gonna be okay mm -hmm. so once you've done it in repetition that many times it doesn't matter what it is and you're comfortable because you know as bad as it gets you're still gonna be all right and that's it's it is worst then you're fine you're loose but i wasn't loose there <laughs> Hey, I wasn't losing. Still all. a heck of a shot, though. It's, my, it's on my Instagram if you guys want to scroll back and see it. But boy, it was a tough one. Boy, it was a tough one. <laughs> Woo! All right, go ahead. There's a lot of hype around Victor Wembanyama. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Going to the Spurs in the upcoming draft. Who's the most hype athlete you remember of any sport? It's easy to probably say LeBron. And I'm a little older than you, so you probably don't remember LeBron being on Sports Illustrated. Oh, I do. Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. I was what 12, 13, 11. So yeah, no, I do. I remember the hype was. Huge for him. Yeah, it was the first high school games, I think, that were on ESPN when they would show just those Irish, the green Irish. But to me, that's not who I'm picking. I'm picking Bryce Harper because I remember him being a high school kid and then being on Sports Illustrated and how he went to the Wood Bat League instead of... I just remember all, he lived in Las Vegas. It was mm -hmm. Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper. And he's one of those rare athletes that did what they were supposed to, maybe more. I mean, think about the hype of LeBron and what he's been able to do. He met and achieved more than the hype would have led you to believe. And nobody ever reaches their hype level. So I'm going to go Bryce Harper, and he did it. And LeBron, and he did it. Mm -hmm. But look at Tiger Woods, too. Tiger's won every amateur championship for years, college, and he did it. See, I don't remember the Tiger hype. Yeah, it was a different kind of hype. It was like, this kid just wins everything. Okay. It wasn't like, wait till you see what this kid does. He was already doing it at that level and just dominating everybody, even in college. So then he went pro and he just kept on. Hmm. So it wasn't so much hype as it is, look at how great he is right now, and he's probably just going to keep going. Different kind of hype. It was more like, like an excitement for this, how good he was going to get, yeah. instead of, we have crazy projections of this guy. Which is crazy, too, because you never hear that with a golfer. Right? I mean, is there any other golfer that you remember when they were young, college, coming up, that you really hear about, even the speeds or the... It's just not a sport that is 
consumed by enough people that enough people are going to care that it's going to develop into something everybody's whispering about, talking about Wimbanyana's type stuff, where they're like, he's the greatest uh, possible player in any sport. He's the great of all time. Yeah. And he may be seven foot five. I saw him next to Rudy Gobert. Do you see him standing next to Rudy Gobert? Yeah, he made him look normal. Yeah. Like, not short, but made Rudy Gobert, who's over seven foot tall, just look pedestrian. It was crazy. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Bryce Harper, but uh, I like Bryce. All right, next. All right, last one here. We talked about Jimmy Butler and how much he's loved. Who's the most liked or loved athlete that you can remember? We talk about Tiger. The weird thing about Tiger is of all the shady stuff he's been up to and done and the bad ways he's treated people, not even people that he's been having sex with, people still love him. Mm-hmm. I love him. Mm-hmm. I root for him. <laughs> yeah. So I think Tiger, because when you look at all the crap that he's done to himself, to others, and the fact that he's so universally loved, bulletproof. So I'm going to go Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. Even kids that didn't get to see him play love him because of the brand. But yeah, I'm going to go Tiger, Jordan. I was not a Michael Jordan guy because I didn't like the Bulls because they won all the time and it annoyed me. So I was not. I was the rare non-Jordan guy. Mm. Who who do you think it is? I would probably go with Tiger off the top of my head. I think Steph's another big one, oh, yeah, too. Steph's very lovable, yeah. I like I, Steph a lot. Everyone likes Steph. I've Even last year when they beat the Celtics in the finals, I was like, oh, it's just Steph Curry. Like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, he's hard to dislike. You know, huh? like, it's just like Jimmy. Yeah, That's the Tittle Tattle. Thank you. The stupidest name ever is the Tittle Tattle with a uh, reminder that 25 Whistles brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings app. Use the code Bobby Sports. Get in on the action. So here's your parlay. It's going to be Boston. I have faith in them. You Ooh. may not, but I have faith in them. I'm going Boston plus a point and a half because they're getting a point and a half. And then I'm going under 216 because I think for them to win, it, they just can't allow Miami to see. I'm just, this is only a Boston's got to win bet mm-hmm. more than like I believe it in my bones. I'm going, this is my bet here. It's my parlay, Boston. Plus a point and a half and under 216. I just can't see them losing it again. I can't, Kevin. And the Heat. There's no way they can stay that hot, right? Or that motivated. Yeah. Human nature. So build the 25 Whistles parlay. Get in there. We built it for you. Plus one and a half Boston. Under 216. Go. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to really give you like some. I know. I bet it just because I want them to win. Like my hype man over here. I know, but the more I talk about it, I'm just like, it's, it, <laughs> put a fork in them. But that's it. I said what I said. Plus one and a half under 216. If you want to take 25 whistles parlay, go to DraftKings Sportsbook. New users use the code Bobby Sports when you download the app. 21 and up in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. In New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369. See show notes for full details. <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. 
Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are busted. Can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, bro. <laughs> I love baseball. I love Jim Edmonds, even though I hated him. It was respect. Mm-hmm. I hated the Cardinals. Being a Cubs fan, you hate the Cardinals. But I just always wish we had Jim Edmonds. He is so good. He'd track down any ball. I just He's making those over-the-shoulder catches, running straight back, center for <laughs> Willie Mays-style catches. So this is us with former MLB All-Star and Cardinals Hall of Famer Jim Edmonds, which we talk about my hate for the Cardinals growing up as a Cubs fan, how much I rooted against him because he was so good. It was a root against, but it was a respect. He wants to move to Nashville. We talk about that, country music. You can follow Jim on Instagram, at JimEdmonds15. Man, this is cool for me. Here he is, Jim Edmonds. Jim, what's up, man? Hey, how are you? Hey, good. Let me tell you, I used to hate you, man. I used to hate your guts <laughs> because I was a massive – I grew up a Cubs fan. I'm going to tell you, watching you track down balls, constant – oh, it would kill me. <laughs> I knew no ball was safe. It didn't matter. You, could, you couldn't gap you. You couldn't do anything. That was also respect. So it is an honor to talk to you, Jim, because you drove me crazy as a kid. But, man, did you ever think – I just think there wasn't a ball you couldn't catch. Did you feel like that out there? Yeah, sometimes. I really did. I thought that that was like kind of my goal or kind of my job. You know what I mean? Your job is to do whatever you're doing the best to your ability. And I just thought that was my – I took pride in it just like anything else, you know? When you were coming up, were you – I think, what do you have, eight gold gloves? If I miss, Tell me if yeah. I'm wrong. Okay, if you, When you were coming up through you know, minors, even playing as a teenager – were you that guy as well that could track down balls in the outfield, or were you such an athlete you just played wherever they put you? I think a little bit of both. I, uh, you know, I grew up playing soccer, uh, grew up playing football, a little bit of basketball and baseball, but we practiced a lot. And I always thought that um, because I practiced so much on an open field that I used to run around the outfield and chase balls from the uh, guy, other guys that would hit. And so I think that that helped a lot. Was there a when you got to the majors, was there initially some sort of adjustment to speed or 
were you just naturally there already as you know a young 20 year old i think the minor leagues you know help each level you know when i got drafted i was only 17 so that first year uh rookie ball and then a ball and then a ball again and then double a and and then triple a it's i don't know it's kind of like you know like i mean do you think you were ready for doing what you were doing when you were uh working in uh arkansas you know what i mean but like, I still don't think I'm ready to do what I'm doing now, where <laughs> you could see you just with our eyeballs crushing it. I, I completely understand your point. Like, I'm mature. I had a friend, uh, Greg Swindell, who talked about coming up and, you know, very brief in the majors. His first start, he goes out and he just destroys people. And he's pitching. He's like, this is, this is easy. Second game, he got lit up hard. And he was like, oh, this is not easy. And I was completely wrong. Yeah. But that his, <laughs> that his adjustment was was wrong at first. He thought, wow, this is crazy. This is so easy. But then it turns out it was a lot harder than he thought. I just wonder what that adjustment's like when you get up to pro ball. Oh, wow. When I first, to pro ball um, is huge because coming from high school, you know, you're basically uh, facing basic pitchers back in those days. It's a little different now, but, um, you know, a guy would throw a fastball and a curveball, and that was basically it. And when I got to pro ball, I was, I hadn't quite turned 18 yet. I was late. Uh, for my senior year and then uh i was facing guys out of junior college out of college and sliders velocity i think i struck out man probably 75 percent of my first 50 at bats it was tough Did it you? really was it was like and that was just in the minor that was just the lowest level of the minor league so i think after you know like i said year by year and day by day you just kind of pick it up and i i guess you either do or you don't you know when I think back to some of your plays, just going from memory here, I think the, what I think about the most is not even a Cubs game. It's uh, NLCS against the Astros. And when you would make plays in the outfield that were, I mean, really the, the ones where you would just take off running like Willie Mays style with your back to the bat, like that's what I visualize you doing over and over again. But some of those plays, did you ever wonder, do I actually have the ball or not? Because they were just like so extended. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's don't let it fall out. I mean, I think if you were to catch up on maybe the play in Kansas City, you can see my first reaction was to reach in my glove with my bare hand because I thought, man, if I run all this way and the ball pops out of my glove, I am going to be pissed. So uh, <laughs> that was kind of that was kind of the uh, the thing, you know. I, I you watch, you still watch highlights today, and guys will dive and the ball will bounce out or jump up and knock the ball over the wall. So that was my biggest fear. So unless I hit the pop pocket perfect, I uh, definitely try to throw my other hand in there. Did you ever do the thing where you were winning by 10 runs or losing by 10 runs and you were going to pitch a little bit as like the, okay, we don't want to waste anyone that's in the, in the bullpen. Did you ever do that at all? I did it once in the minor leagues. and I was a pitcher growing up my whole life, and it's all I ever wanted to do was to pitch one game in the big leagues, and I never did. I, uh, I think that um, when I got to St. Louis, Larusa knew that I would probably throw my arm out trying too hard, so <laughs> he, he, uh, he wouldn't let me do it. But uh, he wasn't too keen on that as, as much as they are nowadays. He was a little bit more like, "We're gonna, you know, we're gonna gut this out what we got, and if it's really bad, then we'll just use somebody literally like a reserve infielder that just knows that they they won't go out and hurt themselves." But no, I was always my. Uh, it was always my biggest dream. What was Coach LaRusa like day to day? I just, you know, from being with Oakland and Canseco and McGuire and all those guys to then being with the Cardinals, his everyday demeanor from afar seems very stoic. What was Same. he like every single day? Same. Same. It was, it was, uh, 
I told him one time when he finally retired, I said, you know, you have a pretty good personality. Too bad baseball ruined it for you. <laughs> but uh, but he was. He was like, hey, how you doing? And he said, I'll let you know after the game. You know, every day. It was just his whole life was about winning that day, that game, uh, learning, um, being better. Uh, it was incredible. It made me such a better person and player and, and human. And, uh, uh, you know, he was like a father. Uh, even at 29, 30, 31 years old, he was just such a teacher still and a motivator. I thought it was, it was pretty awesome to be around. I, you know, I, I'm not surprised, but you know, your sports and uh, there's very few guys like that. You know, you can think of the top coaches out there in the world, right? You think you're Belichick's and um, guys like that. Maybe you're Andy Reeves now in the NFL and you think about, there's a couple guys in college and there's not too many guys like that in baseball anymore. And, and they're just, they get the best out of you, I think, because they have learned from a lot of different people and they really uh, they really focus in on all the details. And I think that's why um, some of those coaches are always, you know, the same coaches are always successful year in and year out. When I think about coaches that I've seen from afar, obviously, <clears throat> but it's like Tommy Lasorda in L.A. It's Tony La Russa, you know, with the Bash Brothers in Oakland, obviously, those teams, yeah. and then with St. Louis. It's even Dusty Baker – now, yeah. what are those guys to you, what do they have in common that creates this longevity and also this respect or this seeming respect in, you know, within the team all the time? I think that um, one thing as a leader I think you can't do is ever waver. And I think um, the things that those guys do is you know that they um, don't waver. They always have your back no matter what. That comes first. You know, the, the players come first, the game comes second. Uh, it's like a family. And so you respect that. It's, and then they, they give you feedback um, that you need. And, and they treat you like a man, you know, and they expect the best out of you. But they also know that there's going to be days you're not your best. Would you go and say, hey, I'm not feeling good. Can I take the day off? 162 anythings in a year yeah. is a lot. Like, how does that conversation go with one of those guys? You know, it's funny. It's uh, it usually goes the other way around. They'll say like, "You look, you know, you don't look like you're uh, up to up to standards." Last couple of days, and give a day off, and you're like, you know, you take pride in playing every day. It's you know, I I, I would think like for you, same thing. You know, you have big weekends, and you got to wake up on Monday morning, and I'm sure there's days you're just like, "Oh my gosh, I, I just got to do this," and then you get there, and it's just like, you know, here's the show, here we go. But yeah, there's no really. Back in those days, you, if you ask for a day off, you might not get another day to play. So I, I never wanted to come out of the lineup. Uh, you know, there was a guy named Wally Pip. I'm sure you're very familiar with. That's uh, how, it's how that, Lou Gehrig got so famous. I mean, P Wally yeah. Pip got hurt, and all of a sudden, well, let's replace him with this young guy for a little bit, Lou Gehrig, who then turns into one of the greatest of all time, Hall of Famer. I, that story yeah. is so legendary, the Wally Pip story. But was Wally really that good, though, Jim? That's the question I ask. Was Wally, couldn't they put him somewhere else if he was so good? And that's true, actually. Right nowadays, they would be like, "Okay, well, we'll put you uh, in right field or left field." <laughs> but uh, clearly, he wasn't as good as the rest of the guys. And I think uh, it makes for a great story, though, doesn't it? I, I mean, saw, think about it. Yeah, yeah, and that story is held up forever because the freaking Iron Horse, like, he's the dude. They made movies about him. They, yeah. So Wally Pip to me is like the Beatle, Pete Best. You know, the original drummer. It's oh, you're like. Man, what could have been? Who knows what Pete Best would have done if he'd have just, you know, if he would have been kicked out of the Beatles before they got famous. Well, there's a lot of that, right? I mean, there's uh, in your business and every business. How many, how many band members do you think 
stepped aside before somebody got big or couldn't do it anymore because they weren't making enough money to, to survive and had a family maybe before these guys were, you know, single and having fun. I mean, gosh, you, you could probably, there's probably millions of stories like that. My manager was a drummer for a, and he, my manager's 50 now, but he was a drummer for a pretty famous band and he got out about three months before they hit and signed the record deal because again, he just wanted to, they were broke, they were poor. And wow. he was like, I can't do it. We have a kid coming. So he got he got out. And then like three months later, they hit big. And it's crazy to think that he was like, I just, I can't. But I imagine that happens with ball players too some, right? Where you're playing in the minors, you're not making much money. And you're like, I just can't do this anymore. And you jump when, I don't know, maybe you had the potential. I don't Does that happen with ball yeah. players at all? Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that. Um, see, I was probably 19. And our second round pick was our shortstop starting in A ball, high A ball right away. And halfway through the season, he just quit. He was like, this, this isn't for me. I'm going to go home and hang out with my girlfriend, basically. And we're like, what? Like, you're a number two pick. And then, you know, like, and the, the second round pick, our shortstop, has huge, obviously, um, potential. And he just said, I'm done. I'm out. He didn't play a full year. Crazy. Did, did they not do what they do now where they basically dive into all the, you know, mental health reports, the love of the game, the passion, because it seems like you would know that about a player that if they didn't absolutely love it, you wouldn't draft them at this point. Yeah. I think you can't measure heart obviously. Right. And then homesick. I I don't know if there's a lot of people out there never been away from home. Um, Yeah. I was, I was kind of shocked because I don't think he was out of high school. I think he was out of like a JC or something, but really good player. Just, Maybe just didn't have it in him. Maybe he'd had enough, you know. So you moving to Nashville? Know. Did I see that you're moving to Nashville on your Twitter? I'm man. I'm trying. I'm. We have been looking for a year. Uh, you know, the prices have gone crazy, um, but we were just there this weekend, and we found a really nice piece of property. But you know, I've been struggling with find a place on a golf course or find. Or we've been looking for 20, 30, 40, 50 acres. So a lot of friends there. Uh, love it there. We're we're there a lot. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to move there. I got a son who's a sophomore. Um, he's got his last week of school. And as soon as he's out of the house, we might be headed that way. How, what's if, your, not, if not before. <laughs> what's your handicap? What's your handicap? I, yeah, I feel like the, you, you professional athletes, uh, for example, one of my best friends is Andy Roddick, the tennis player. And he had never played golf. Yeah. And all of a sudden he starts playing golf and he goes to like a four in eight months because hand-eye coordination is so freaking good. I just want to, I want to kill him. So that's not the case with me. So what about a guy like you that would hit a ball and can run fast for a living? How, how good are you at golf? Um, you know, I stopped playing about three or four years ago, but uh, I'm one of those guys that just once I pick something up, I just go and go and go until I get pretty good. And I got down to like an eight or a nine maybe. Are you, You're not playing uh, at all I, anymore? I, I, I don't play at all, no. I used to have a house in Palm Springs uh, on the golf course, and I used to have a house up in Idaho. Uh, right when I retired and then when we moved back to St. Louis to you know the kids all get in school and and do all that um, I just kind of gave it up it's hard to play um, you know it's funny is in Missouri here especially it's always raining or it's hot or it's cold there's like no kind of like you know we don't have convertible weather here I, I think the weather's a little better in Nashville than it is here and uh, it just kind of hated going out and one day hitting off mats and the next day it's car path only and I'm just like, I guess I got spoiled in the golf courses I belonged to in the past in California. And so I just kind of wasn't that important, especially because then also with the kids, I'm just kind of like, 
trying to play dad the best I can now that I'm retired. What do you do for fun then? Uh, you're not the dad, but if you're not playing golf, what are you playing pickleball at all? Like that's a sport. Nah, yeah, I, I, uh, um, too many injuries. I've seen too many people already go down in pickleball and I was, I've been playing it. I was planning about actually about eight or nine years ago when it first started going, um, uh, through our country club and, for fun, really, I don't know nothing. I mean, just chill, <laughs> work out, uh, listen to music, go to concerts. Um, you know, I, I mean, hang out with my wife, like just chill. I mean, like, I think my fun's over. <laughs> Baseball was fun for me. Man, that does um, seem like it'd be the most fun. Like to be like young, athletic, good looking, playing center field for the freaking Cardinals. Other than the Cardinals part, it sounds like an amazing life. I didn't realize you were such a Cubs fan. Yeah, my whole life. It was a curse yeah. until it wasn't anymore, though. Uh, it's funny. I think that I I listen to you a lot, and I think I know a lot about listening to what you guys do and stuff, but I don't think I've heard a lot about the Cubs as much as, you know, hear a lot about Arkansas and, and all that other stuff that you do. But, uh, yeah, I was some, surprised. It's but I, a, that makes sense, right? It's been a rough few years, uh, you know, what? so it's not a lot to talk about also you know baseball for us doesn't really do at least in talk people don't really like to hear a lot of baseball talk unless it's about superstars oh yeah and you know the cubs kind of went through a process there we didn't know who was going to be on the team year to year and our show was on in chicago for a long time but yeah there's not a lot to talk about with the cubs i'll be honest with you when we i grew up my grandfather was a cubs fan and my stepdad was a cubs fan so it was just kind of passed on to me i would never root I would never wish that for anyone. But growing up in Arkansas, we used to, we used to go to Bush and play uh, like Legion ball, like championships in Bush Stadium, which was always awesome. And I've uh, that's Cardinal Country down there, right? Are you from Hot Springs? I am from Central Arkansas. Yeah, down there for a charity event, and man, that's Cardinal Country down there, and it's that kind of mix, right? It's like half Cubs, half Cardinals. It's only Cubs if you were watching it on WGN the whole time, but it's mostly Cardinals because we had the Triple uh, A team and then the Single A team for the Cardinals forever. And we that was like the big trip for me every year. We would go to watch the Arkansas Travelers because, yep. you know, they were the single-A team for a long time that fed into the Cardinals. And you'd go and you'd get autographs and you'd hope they make it and they never make it. And you just had some random card signed by some dude who's now walking down the street. <laughs> so that was kind of the, the situation there. But, yeah, I, I respected the Cardinals. But since everybody loved them, I hated them. But that's but I got to play in the stadium and it was pretty cool. I remember getting these balls, Jim. I don't know if you guys ever hit them with bat, batting practice, because we would go and we get to see all the facilities back then, and the batting practice balls were smaller than normal balls, which made sense because if you hit smaller balls, it makes that bigger ball easier to hit. Did you ever hit with tiny batting practice balls? No, not really. There's sometimes they're different because they're practice balls, or or also they get the crap beat out of them because they get hit so much. And they don't last very long, so that's probably another thing, too. They're either brand new all the time or they're uh, smashed in because from getting hit. Um, but, no, not not purposely did they change the balls out. But probably over time, and I'm sure if you have a ball, like I have a ball from, uh, like, the All-Star game in 95, and it looks like it's this big compared to, like, this big now. But uh, just uh, in time, they, get, they were tighter. They were, you know, in the 90s, everything was – the balls are rock hard. The bats are rock hard. Everyone was doing steroids. The ball was flying out of the ballpark. So um, I think they change over time. I really do. They say that they don't, but I can promise you 100% that they're not the same year in and year out. <laughs> you have a guitar behind you. 
and I feel like you're a country music guy. Am I wrong? Am I right on this? What's the guitar for back there? What is that? That's uh, Eric Church. Uh, I got that. I got one from Eric. Uh, I got one Jason Aldean over there. Um, yeah, I am. I, I, you know what? You know how these the worlds collide, right? I'm sure you probably either friends with a lot of uh, you said Andy Roddick and a couple of those guys. Like, I think music and baseball have a huge connection, which I was surprised. So I met um, Luke um, through uh, Adam Wainwright. Then I met uh, Jason through DJ Silver, which John Purdue, I'm sure you probably know him and his family. And then just kind of took off from there. I met, uh, got to become friends with Cole Swindell. He knew Ricky and Keel. Like, it's just random how it's like everyone just kind of like kind of mingled and just stayed in touch with a lot of guys. And uh, yeah, I really, I really enjoy it. It's interesting you mentioned Rick and Keel because mm-hmm. Rick was a pitcher when I first knew Rick. Like, he came up the system like, Crazy, crazy prospect. Yeah. Then whatever happened to him uh, emotionally, psychologically, like, I don't know. And then he ended up being a good outfielder as well. Like, play. But that's one – we talk about Wally Pip, like change positions. Like they did that with Ankyo for a different reason. Uh, what – what? because I struggle sometimes. If I'm playing golf, like I get nervous. I played the Pebble Beach Pro-Am and I was scared to death. And I'm not scared to do anything. I'm – knees oh, were man. shaking. Jim Nance was calling it. I don't get nervous, oh, yeah. Jim, at all. I can do stand-up in front of thousands of people. I can do live TV. I was scared to death, and I couldn't fix it. When Ankyo goes through something like that, like, did you have any of those moments where also you were just psychologically not in tune with yourself? No, not like that. Um, you know, I always tease Rick, and, and this is a crazy uh, credit to his ability, too. He was probably the only guy ever to make it to the big leagues twice, if you think about that. He came up. He was 19 that year. Uh, it was my first year in St. Louis. And in the playoffs, he lost it and then lost the feel for throwing. And then after a year and a half of trying, he went back and said, I'm just going to be an outfielder. Actually, he quit for a couple of days. And then I think Larusa talked him into going back and trying to be an outfielder. And I thought, man, what a – this guy was like – he could have been Randy Johnson, you know. I mean, this guy is electric. He had the best – they said the best left-handed curveball in the game. He was 19. He threw 94. It just was wicked, but uh, you know his upbringing and, and a lot of things that he had to deal with just probably wasn't at the time mentally as strong as he was hoping to be. And uh, now he's all—I mean, I love him. I still keep in touch with him. I see him a lot. He was working for TV with us for a little bit. And now he's doing some stuff in Florida with boats and uh, and fishing and stuff. So, but yeah, what a what a crazy story, huh? I mean, one day he couldn't throw the ball over the plate, and you know, a year and a half later, he's starting in center field for the Cardinals. So. Crazy. When you would get into a slump, how would you get out of a slump? I would hit a lot. I would hit. You, I, there's two things. Either stop hitting completely. Like if you had a chance to take a day off, you probably would. I wouldn't hit the day before the day off. And then I would just kind of wing it for a day or two. And then other days when we're at home, I would just hit extra until my hands bled. I mean, there's times when you have energy and you're not doing well. And there's times you're just dead tired. So you then just back off and just let your ability take over. It's, it's all up here, usually in the mind. You know, you, yeah. you get out of uh, out of sync with your body and out of sync with your mind. Two final questions: Did you like playing in all star games? You know, now we hear players they don't like it; they'd rather have the days off. Did you like playing and being around all those other guys? I loved it. I really did. I could see if you play in you know ten, twelve, fifteen of them, it would be a little bit of a nuisance because you're always expected to do so much. But I, I had a blast. I mean, I think it's your obligation to at least be uh, 
you know, unless you're seriously hurt or beat up to go and, and, you know, represent your team and do that stuff. I thought it was, you know, it's a lot of fun. You got a lot of camaraderie there, a lot of uh, interesting, you know, it's funny to see the pitchers and the hitters kind of look at each other, you know, there's like all these rivalries and guys that you might not like on one side, but then you play with them and you love them. So, uh, yeah, so it's a weird scenario, but it's, I thought it was kind of cool. I, I enjoyed, you know, being around those guys. And how do you not, you know, how do you not be uh, excited about being around the best of the best, you know? Kind of like going to an award ceremony, right? And you're actually now one of those guys. Like, I love, that's what I love about you is like, you've done everything and you've kind of gone through what you've gone through. And all of a sudden, look who are you, you know, look what you have become just because of hard work. And now, instead of just doing TV and talking to people and radio, you're like on the red carpet. You're presenting. You're winning awards. Like you know. Yeah, I still wear the catch uh, balls in the outfield, though. I still. Yeah. Wear the, I'm gonna be honest with you, Jim. <laughs> Come on up. I'll get yeah. you on the field for batting practice, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, rivalries. I've, as a pro, do you actually care? Do you actually hate the teams you're supposed to hate that we as fans? And it, for me, it can be college football. It can be uh, the major leagues. Obviously, we as Cubs fans really had trouble with the Cardinals. But as a player, is it really real? Uh, you know, it's funny. When I first got to St. Louis, I didn't. I knew there was a rivalry with the Cubs, but I didn't really was like, what is this deal? You know, like, I am just got here. I don't know anyone. So I thought it was all media-driven. And then I think the media can push it over the edge. You know, if it's all you hear. And then, yeah, you learn to uh, not like a certain team. Or, uh, you know, when, and especially in the, in the league, a couple not this year, but a couple years ago or in the past when we were playing everybody – in our division 18, 19 times, they get kind of sick of it. And, uh, yeah, it gets heated. And, yeah, definitely the Cubs-Cardinals were a good rivalry for, like, you know, I think after my first, second or third year, it started to really become real, like, 02, 03. I think at 03, they beat us up pretty good at the end of the year, and then we got in a fight, and then 04, same kind of stuff. And then, you know, then you start losing players, right? You start losing pitchers on their team, you know, catcher. Or Michael Barrett, then he ended up going somewhere else, and all these different guys, right? And all of a sudden, what you had left was like uh, Soto and Zambrano. And, you know, it's, I mean, other than Zambrano, there wasn't much of a rivalry left. And so it kind of went downhill for a while. But I think you feel it because uh, you feel the fans, you feel the energy. And how can you not love playing in that stadium, especially now? The stadium's amazing. All right, bonus question Best concert you've ever been to? Holy cow. Oh, man. I've been to so many now, it's crazy. But you know who I just saw that I really fell in love with? And it was in a really small venue. It was Randy Hauser. He played in like a small like pageant type of thing that we just built a new place here in Chesterfield, uh, Missouri. And uh, it's cool. It's like a little venue. It's really small. Um, Chase Rice just played there. Um, I watched a bunch of guys play there right after. Uh, kind of got popular after um, COVID. Because, you know, they weren't selling tickets. And um, so it was kind of cool. I'm going to go see um, Cole Swindell this weekend here. My best story with Cole Swindell, I love it. I was I got divorced. And you know the song, um, You Ain't Worth the Whiskey? I do, yeah. So that was like the one, one to live by after a breakup, right? <laughs> yeah. You think about it. Like in your own head. And it's a funny story. So we're sitting in a bar. In uh, Nashville with a couple guys, a couple writers, one of his buddies, me, um, a couple of guys hanging out and was talking about that story. 
and just how it meant so much. And it was weird. I was like, not saying like, Hey, I love you because of this, but I had known him for a little bit. I was telling about the song and he's like, I'll be right back. And I was like, all right, whatever. So now I'm talking to someone else and he jumps up on stage and started performing the song. <laughs> I was like, this is pretty damn cool right here. Yeah. That's but, awesome. Uh, those guys are so much fun to be around and just so talented. I think it's really cool. Yeah. The annoying ones are the ones that were great athletes. And then like they hurt something and they became a country music, like Jake Owen, great golfer, collegiate golfer, hurts a shoulder, becomes a superstar. Sam Hunt, college football player, becomes a superstar. Cole Swindell. I hate those guys because they were so good at everything. And I like, I'm good at nothing. And so, and they're, and they're so likable as humans that you don't really hate them. You're just really jealous of them. You know, who's doing that now is uh, Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright sang the national anthem on opening day. And he told no one. I saw that. And he carries his guitar with him everywhere he goes. And he's friends with Luke, really good friends with Luke. And obviously Jason and those guys. But uh, yeah, it, it's funny. Um, I don't know if this story is true. I was talking to Luke one day, and I and he was at the field, and I said, "How did you really get into playing guitar? Because I know you didn't play as a kid." And he said, "I got released off or a cut from my high school baseball team or whatever, and just picked up a guitar." So later in life, which I thought was awesome, uh, and Jason said the same thing. As soon as he stopped playing baseball, he really got like he's a hardcore baseball fan. Talking about a baseball fan, wow! With the Braves, he's insane. Yeah, he was a he loves it. Good ball player too. Yeah, when I stopped playing baseball, I just. Uh... Well, got beat up more and studied. I mean, that's basically <laughs> what I did. So, and here we are. Well, look, Jim, next time you come to town or one of the times, I'd love to meet you in person. Uh, yeah. You know, just been a massive fan for a long time. And, you know, even what you do now, you do a great job at it. Like, just, like, I don't know, man. I just get jealous of people who are good and good looking. I don't know. I'm starting nah. to get sad again here in the city. Well, I mean, guys. you're not doing so bad. I mean, I'm envious. You have a beautiful wife, too, now. And, Things are good for you. So, I mean, we listen to you every day here in St. Louis. I'm law not. of averages. That's what that was. Law of averages, pretty much. Uh, Jim, huge fan. Thank you so just much. Just kept moving. Just kept shuffling them around until you found a really good one. Just, well, just trying to, yeah. We'll go with that one because uh, I don't want to hear this. And, uh, Jim, great to talk to you. Hope you have a great day and uh, would love to meet you sometime soon. Definitely. I'll, uh, I'll come check it out when we come back into town. Now, we're going to be in town maybe next week sometime. So, come on. Come by the studio. To get together. Come meet everybody. Love We'd love to meet you. Love to meet you guys, too. Thank you. Thanks for the time, Jim. Appreciate it. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, bro. <laughs> Thanks to Jim Edmonds. That's awesome. Like, that's my day. Like, when everybody has a day, like a time where they really thrived and took in every little kernel, those days for me. Like, when I was 12 through, like, 32. That's, <laughs> that's a, a long solid time. 20 years, right? <laughs> that's a solid 20 years where I was like, every, I knew how many games behind everybody. I mean, it was all I lived. And then baseball just got too long. Games were too long. And now we're starting to get back a little bit. Yeah. And they need – because the game has fallen out of favor because of our attention spans. There aren't as many marketable stars, which then – that's what sports is, marketable stars. But I'm rooting for it. I'm rooting for baseball to come back. I yeah. love Jim Edmonds. The chase for the NBA title is still in full swing. While the best in the NBA battle it out. You can get all the playoff action at your fingertips. With DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in, and place the same-game parlay on any NBA game. If your bet loses, we'll give you a bonus bet back in the amount of your initial bet, up to $10. Now look, earlier, Celtics plus 1.5, under 216 for Tuesday night's game. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling good about it. Download the app now. Sign in with the code BOBBYSPORTS. New customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Bobby Sports. 21 and up in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. See show notes for full details. Okay, we did Heat and Celtics. Go Celtics. We did Lakers and Nuggets. Go Lakers. Probably not going to happen. I'm kind of cool with whomever. I'm going to be honest with you. It's four pretty likable teams. You don't care nah. at this point? I'm rooting for the Celtics because you, but they're pretty likable teams. I like the Lakers because I like LeBron. I like AD. I like to see LeBron win another one. I like the Nuggets because I think Jokic is awesome and he doesn't get the respect he deserves, even from me because we just don't, well, I don't watch them enough. Yeah. So I like that. I like New Blood too. I like small markets. The Heat. I mean, look at that story. Playing game, Jimmy Butler. The Celtics, you. That's all I care about Celtics. Yeah. That's all that matters. I mean, probably they're the least likable team. Yeah. But because of you, I'm rooting for them. Thanks. Big softball weekend. If you're a college softball fan, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but in my family, it's a big deal because Patty Gasso, six championships, Oklahoma, 
They've won two in a row. I think they're going for number three. They're number one team in the country. They won easily. Super regionals. Her son, my brother-in-law, is the head assistant coach at Utah. Been there three years. Program now for the first time ever is hosting a super regional. Wow. Yeah, oh, he's le- he's legit. I was wondering why you're posting so much about them. That makes sense now, obviously. Yeah, he's legit. And and I talk to him every. I mean, I call him right after the game. It's the first time they've ever won super. So in the Arkansas loss, which sucked, mm-hmm. in the regional. So that's what's up. We're, we're probably gonna go to Utah this weekend to watch. We're. I mean, that's we're very. That's Kalen's sister. Yeah. yeah. We're very close. So I don't know. I went to the college softball championship last year in Oklahoma City, oh, yeah. the World Series. Mm-hmm. How was that? Crazy, because Oklahoma won, and I was there, and we went on the field, and like, it was hard for me, because I wouldn't wear an Oklahoma shirt. I won't. I can't wear an O and a U, but I did have a shirt that said, Gasso's the goat. Okay. And that I can do. That I can support. It's family. Do you say boomer sooner or no? Never. Okay. <laughs> My lips don't even go in whatever shape it goes to do that. Never would I do that. So that's what's up. So softball, uh, golf, watch a lot of PGA. What about old Block, huh? Yeah, that's awesome. You know, Michael Block, he, we talked about the hole-in-one that he hit that actually got him into next year's. He cried a lot, but he made me sad when he was crying. People were making fun of him for crying all the time. But I'm telling you, that was like real man, emotional, like good for you, way to feel it, way to show it. Let's go. It's crazy. I think that was like his fourth major he played in. He never made the cut. Yeah. But isn't that his fourth major? Yeah. Like everybody's acting like they found him on the streets. Like some guy walking around with a golf club. Didn't even know what number it was. Showed up to the court. I mean, he's played in four ma- Granted, he finished top 15 in a ma- That's awesome. Most he'd ever won was like $75,000. And he had a funny thing at the podium. We're like, what's the most you ever won? And he goes, 75000 bucks. And listed the course and the, everything. And they were like, wow, you sure do know that specific. He goes, yeah. If you want 75000 bucks, you would know it too. Yeah. Most he'd ever won before that was 5000 Oh, wow. And he's like, a, you know, he's a golf pro at a public course. It's a very nice public course. But a public course. So, it's pretty cool. I ended up betting him to finish top 10, and he didn't. Oh. I know, I know. I know. I bet him to finish top 10, and then the last day, I bet Scheffler to come back and win it. I was thinking about doing Scheffler. Well, good thing he didn't, because he didn't. I, <laughs> I thought Brooks would blow it at some point. So did I, and I put 100 bucks to win like $700, 800 bucks. Mm. And for a second, I was like, oh, here we go, Scotty. He started doing it, and then he didn't do it. No. But, you know, I don't really like the courses when they grow the freaking rough that long. Yeah. The first three days were tough to watch, especially Friday and Saturday. I think there was a lot of rain. And I was like, this isn't good golf. The guys are frustrated. It's like the 90s NBA. A lot of defense, people running into each other. Like, it wasn't fun. It's like whenever defensive backs could hit wide receivers all the time, anywhere, not get past it. No, I like to watch finesse. Mm. I like to see points scored. I like to see balls on the green. Not in the rough. No. <laughs> or I don't lost. care if they go in the rough, but and there should be a slight penalty, not strokes, but you're on a, it's a rough. It's a little harder to hit. Not the freaking weeds. Did you see Spieth's uh, shot out of the sand where he put it over out of bounds and he was all pissed off and he was like yelling was at the judge? Was that what that was? <laughs> yeah, like, let me, it was great. I saw one where he's like, hit a and iron good just that one i don't know i sent it to eddie so he obviously didn't have a great here it is no this is from the t-box i'm gonna play this you can believe out the f-word mike (laughs) 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 yeah nance goes i don't think you like that one that's great (laughs) that's funny 
That's great. Um, no, I didn't see the sand thing. Yeah, his caddy, he was in the bunker right off the green, and he smacked it, and it went out of bounds. We don't even know where the ball went. Lost it. Went out of bounds, and then so he had to hit another one, and the judge was telling him where he had to lie and going over all the rules, and he was just so pissed off, and his caddy's like, all right, dude, let's go. Like, get it together. Let's go. And then he hits a great shot. I guess they've been together long enough. You can do that. Yeah. I like Jordan. I played golf with him twice. Hung with him a little bit. Really nice guy. I never seen him like hit one effing ball. That's hilarious. John Rahm was a little pissed off too. It's you have mics everywhere now. But still, I think I would still have the. I would like to just be able to let it go like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's really cool. It just shows he's human when he plays golf. I like it because that's how we all feel. Mm-hmm. There's a clip of Charles Barkley where he's playing golf and he hits and he goes, "You." F- he messes up and he's like, "You fat mother!" He's talking to himself, and I'm like, "I felt that." <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can find that. It's so funny, but I like it when these world class athletes suck for a minute. I think I found it. Damn it, you fat! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! He's talking to himself. Hilarious. So yeah, that's what's up. I just call myself an idiot every time. Yeah, I'm just so, I just get quiet. I'm just sad. I've been on a struggle bus lately, but I think I got, I'm feeling pretty good about where I am now. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. <laughs> Late nights. <laughs> yeah, just think, just <laughs> grinding teeth because of it. I go through bad ruts playing golf where I just I like lose it completely. Where I'm like, which way did my hands go? Elbows bend what direction? And then I just can, usually with some help, identify a couple things, and then it's back. And I'm like, oh, but it goes from, it's polar. I'm never like, oh, I played bad. 89, 90. It's like, wow, I played great. 82 or crap, 106. Mm-hmm. No in between. Mm-mm, no in between. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. 
Yeah. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my game. <laughs> NCAA 24 is a go. It'll feature actual players for the first time. This is the video game. Which is awesome. They have Dynasty mode, which is awesome. Don't think I'm going to be running with the Razorbacks hardcore. <laughs> so college football players, the actual people, not RB8, will be the new EA college football. There'll be the little guys we play with. It's awesome. Man, that is just some great news. I love it. I play, we play Madden. Got a Madden league. Got an NBA league. I did watch the Redeem team on Netflix. Have you watched that? Yeah, the one that came out last year? Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I did not expect it to be that good. Yeah. We had some issues with... Stanley, our bulldog, where he had to go to the emergency room, and I just had to—I sat in the emergency room for six hours. So I took some earbuds with me, and just knew I'd be there a while. Earbuds and a charger—I was ready to go. Yeah. Even though he was like convulsing and choking, got my earbuds and a charger. <laughs> <laughs> and we got there, and he went in, did his thing, and I watched it. I didn't think I would care too much for it in the way that I did because I'm like, all right, we we didn't play well. We went back and played. We won. Who cares? It was so much better than that. Mm-hmm. It was a story about all those guys coming together. Nobody really wanted to play. That Kobe stuff, like Kobe's like 5 a.m. going to the gym and they're all coming in from the club. Yep. And Kobe's like, I'm going to the gym. And they were like, God dang it. So they started going to the gym. It was great. I, didn't, I thought it would be good just because I'm a sports fan. It was great. The Russia, I didn't even know about the Russia – United States, maybe like 76, 74, I don't know, where they put three seconds back on the clock after the U.S. wins the game. I didn't know that either until I watched that. And Doug Collins makes the free throws to mm-hmm. win the game, and then all of a sudden they're like, no, 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 even though it's over, put the time back on the clock. They chunk it, and the Russia's big man scores and wins the gold medal. Yeah. I had no idea that was a thing. Same. And it was crooked as crap. That's bull crap. Yeah, yeah. In the U.S., that wouldn't happen. No. Because we'd have cheated. <laughs> That's right, America. <laughs> That, it's really good. Yeah. I can't say enough about it. I was never a big Kobe guy. I understood. I appreciated. But man, after watching Redeem Team, like I really understood and appreciated. And they didn't make him soft. Like, oh, you'd have really loved Kobe. They were like, nobody liked Kobe. Yep. He's not that kind of guy. But I guess I just saw what my intentions and goals always are. Just freaking go to work and outwork everybody, and eventually it'll shake out. And if it hasn't shaken out yet, I just haven't worked enough and for a long enough time. It's great. I, I recommend it. It was really, really, really great. Uh, the Redeem team on Netflix only been out a year, I guess, yeah. per Kevin. You mean the one that came out in 2007? <laughs> yes, Kevin. I was just telling you I liked it. I was just making sure we're talking about the same one here. All right, final thoughts. Let's go. <laughs> what if say, um, Kevin, you go. Okay. This is how I know I'm getting older, right? I'm getting old. I was talking to Reed about this a little bit ago. And I work out five to six days a week, keep in good shape, do all kinds of different stuff, lifting weights, cardio, whatever. And I'm out at the pool yesterday, and I'm just laying there getting some sun. And I go to just turn positions, you know, from being on my back to the stomach. And I pulled something in my back. Mm. 
And I think to myself, what? How does, how does this, something like this happen? I think it's inactivity more than old. What do you mean? Because when you were younger, you were doing more constantly, physically. I think if you just stayed going the same constant level, you'd still be fine. But obviously, you've slowed down a little bit, even if you work out five or six days a week. I think inactivity more than old, because you're not old. What are you, 32? <laughs> I got turds older than you in that toilet over the house. <laughs> I just felt like, really, just turning over? This is going to happen? What's going to happen, though, is you're not going to heal as fast. Because I still go extremely hard as well. And when something gets hurt, it pisses me off because I know it's going to be a long time before it's back to normal. And you ain't seen anything yet. And I haven't seen anything yet either. Like, I just know what I'm dealing with now. In 10 years, I'll be like, man, I wish I had really appreciated what I was then. That's the hardest part about being athletic and getting older or still going hard is that when you do like like tweak something or it just doesn't go away. Yeah. It's almost like a birthmark. Like my shoulder that I heard on Dancing with the Stars, it's just basically a birthmark now. I've heard it. I've heard it again and again and again. It just will not. I've let, done therapy. I've done everything. It is what it is. It's like my face. It might be ugly, but it's mine. <laughs> Reed, our, run a video over there. What do you got? Give me a thought. I played 36 holes yesterday and it, I regret it. I my body hurts. I'm chafed in areas that should not be chafed. It was rough, and so I, I think if I would have started earlier, it would have been okay. But we didn't start until like noon. So the, by, where did you play 36 holes? It was uh, what was it called? 12 stones up in up in Goodlettsville. So a normal course, 18 holes. Normal course, yeah. It was. I mean, yeah, it was a long course too. There was like four or five par fives, and it was a beautiful course though. It's like super healy, but. I'm hurting. <laughs> Why? I should The chafing or the soreness? The chafing. Okay. The chafing. The soreness from working out for the first time in forever. Uh, but the chafing. Wait, you worked out on the, other no. than the golf course? Yeah, I worked out on Saturday. That's so, probably a big part of it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> and then you go golf. Reed's like, oh, I've played 36 holes. I'm so hurt. Okay. Like, I get it. Maybe you're sunburned or something. He's like, no, I'm sure of it. What did you do the day before? 700 squats for the first time? <laughs> but no, bro. That's what it is. <laughs> I think it's the chafing, though. Uh, let me end with this. I think this is the most fun I've had watching the NBA playoffs in 10 years. Just with almost every... Well, Kevin, I know... That makes not, one of us. But you have, a, <laughs> you have a team involved, right? I don't have a team. I'm talking about just as, as a casual... Now, more than casual, but not super diehard NBA fan. Like, I have NBA Sunday ticket, and I watch that. But this is the most fun I've ever had watching the playoffs. Every team has a storyline. All... Most all the series have been really good. We're at a place now where they're not. They're both 3-0, but you're still invested because it's LeBron and it's Tatum. So, shout out NBA. Even, it's the most dramatic I've ever seen the ping pong ball with Wimbayana. Wimbayana. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you've messed me up on how to say it. I've never <laughs> messed it up until you said that. So, and one of my buddies, Steve, is a huge Spurs fan. And I was at dinner when they did the ping pong ball. They got it. They did the card. I guess we didn't see the ping pong ball. We saw the card flip. And so I didn't watch it live because I don't care. And then I get a voice text and I hit it and it's just him going, ah, like yelling. It was him because he's a Dyer Spurs fan. And it was like the greatest for him. So NBA, you're pretty cool in my book this year. <laughs> That's it. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks again, DraftKings. Bobby Sports is the code. Uh, follow us on social, please. Because if we get to 1,000, Reed gets 100 bucks. Oh. And we ain't there yet. It shouldn't be that hard, Reed. You got to post more, Reed. I know. I do need to post more. You got to get over there and post more. 
Like five posts a day, right, Mike? Yeah. What they say? Doing nude on there too. Ooh, uh, <laughs> of who though? We draw. Spin the wheel, yeah. No draw. chafing though. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Hope you have a great day. See you later on. We're gonna do another one this week. We're back like in official capacity this week, and then we're off official capacity until like August, right? Yep. Mid to the months: January one, February, March, April, May, June, July, August. Yeah. Yeah. Eight. Oh, we don't even say that, are we? Uh, I think you just announced something. No, I didn't announce anything. <laughs> yeah, I didn't announce anything. We think we could be coming back. We haven't finalized it yet. But we're off for sure um, after this. We'll do, be doing random episodes, but uh, we'll be back again this week. Thank you, guys. And for you that listen to this whole thing, we're not going to pull that off the podcast. But we're not even going to address that we said it ever again. Say what? Exactly. Exactly. All right, thank you, guys. Bye. Now, blow the whistle. There it is. Theme song written by Bobby Bones and performed by Brandon Ray. Follow Brandon on socials at Brandon Ray Music. Thanks to our crew, segment producer at Kickoff Kevin, video producer at Reed Yarberry, and executive producer at Mike Distro. Most importantly, thank you for listening. I'm Bobby Bones. We'll talk to you next week. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane, back to reality. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.